1: Hello, I'd like to welcome you again as we continue in the study of this wonderful book of Exodus. Let's first start with asking God to help us. Lord, we come to you today because we so much need you. We need you, Lord, to reveal your truth to us as we study your word. We need you, Lord, to change our lives as we Lord, take in your word. You said that man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. So let, Lord, today be a day when the word of God proceeds from your mouth into us, Lord, giving us life as we come closer and closer to the Lord Jesus Christ, we pray in his name, amen. Now, if you follow along here, it's Exodus chapter three, and we'll read some verses here to give again the context and that... um, We'll start in verse 11, Exodus 3, sorry, Exodus 3, verse 4. And when the Lord saw that he turned aside to see, God called unto him out of the midst of the bush and said, Moses, Moses, and he said, Here am I. And he said, Draw not nigh hither, put off thy shoes from off thy feet, For the place whereon thou standest is holy ground. Moreover, he said, I am the God of thy father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob, and Moses hid his face for he was afraid to look upon God. And the Lord said, I have surely seen the affliction of my people which are in Egypt and have heard their cry by reason of their taskmasters for I know their sorrows. And I am come down to deliver them out of the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up unto the land unto a good and a large, unto a good land and a large "...unto a land flowing with milk and honey, unto the place of the Canaanites, and the Hittites, and the Amorites, and the Perizzites, and the Hivites, and the Jebusites. Now therefore, behold, the cry of the children of Israel is come unto me, and I have also seen the oppression wherewith the Egyptians oppressed them. Come now therefore, and I will send thee unto Pharaoh, that thou mayest bring forth my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt." In our last study, we saw what a unique privilege that Moses had. It was Moses when we looked at him and we compared him to all the people that were alive at that time. And we said, you know, they don't know if it was only Moses. Many people really wondered what God looked like, but it was only to Moses that the word says that God appeared to him. Just Moses. Many people would have wanted to be a friend of God, but it was only this one, only Moses, that God brought into his confidence. Is this where God put out his hand and he drew him in close to himself, Moses, and he talked to him. And Moses became the confident with God. In other words, he became the one that God just opened up his heart wide open. And he started to tell him many things. And many people would wanted to know what's on God's mind. What is God concerned about? What's disturbing God? What is really Uh, bothering God. But it was only to Moses as he drew him in close that he revealed to Moses, Moses, this is what is filling my eyes. What I see is the affliction of my people which are in Egypt. That's in my eyes, Moses. Moses, this is what's filling my ears. This is what I'm hearing constantly. It's a constant theme that I'm hearing here, what is it? It's the cries, Moses, the cries of my people in Egypt. Why? Because of the Egyptian taskmasters have caused my people to be so much in the vice scripts there, there's so much under pressure that they're crying out to me and this is filling my ears and what's filling my heart as Moses is close to God and God is really bearing his whole heart, he says, Moses, what's filling my heart is a certain knowledge And what I know is the sorrows of my people in Egypt. Many people, we could say there would be many people who wanted at that time to know what God was gonna do next. But it was only to Moses as God pulls Moses in close to him and he says, Moses, I have come down, I am come down, and the purpose for me coming down is to deliver. I have come to deliver my people out of Egypt, and I'm gonna deliver them out of Egypt, and I'm gonna bring them into a good land, a large land, a land that's flowing with milk and honey. And he was telling all of this to Moses. Moses is silent. He's just listening. There's no record here. Moses doesn't say anything. He's just listening. And as we look at Moses there, he's in a very privileged position. He's the only one that God has brought in close and is telling all these things. He's brought in to like God's inner space. This is God's inner space and he's brought in there. Now, when we look at Moses there and how God singled him out for this special revelation, we see as we look at Moses, that Moses is a type of Israel. Moses is like what Paul called himself, a pattern for Israel. In other words, Israel has followed in Moses' steps. And so as God singled out Moses for the special revelation, he said, well, let's put it this way. Paul asked the question and he answered it in Romans 3, 1 and 2, as we saw. When Paul asked this question, he says, all right, Is there any advantage that the Jew has or really? What advantage then hath the Jew? That's the question. What advantage then hath the Jew? Or what profit is there of circumcision? What profit? And so Paul says, much every way, many, many ways, chiefly, because that unto them were committed the oracles of God. So we look at Moses, and in the same way, as Moses was singled out for revelation, because all this that he saw, was this was revealed to Moses. Moses didn't sit down and figure out all these things. What we're reading about here, we're reading that God appeared to Moses, God spoke to Moses, God revealed to Moses. It was all God communicating to Moses. Moses is called... In verse four, Moses, Moses, and he says, here am I. And then from there on out, Moses is just like wide-eyed, open-eared, listening, learning, and the whole thing is coming from God. And so that we could say that what advantage then had Moses? And we could say much every way, many, many ways, but chiefly that because to Moses was committed the revelation of God, God revealed himself. God appeared to Moses in this bush. And so in the same way that Moses was singled out to receive this revelation, Israel was singled out to receive God's revelation, which is called in the scriptures the oracles of God, the word of God, the Bible, the oracles of God. And so then... There's two very important therefores that we were looking at in verses nine and 10 because they show us an important link there between God's concern for the lost, the lost sheep of the house of Israel in this case, and God's commissioning, and in this case Moses, to go. See in verses, see how it reads, so in Exodus 3, 9 and 10. Now therefore, that's the first there. Now therefore, behold, the cry of the children of Israel is come unto me and I have also seen the oppression wherewith the Egyptians oppressed them. Come now, therefore, the second one. Come now, therefore, and I will send thee unto Pharaoh that thou mayest bring forth my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. See, in verse nine, God says to Moses, what's happened to God? And he says the two things in particular have happened to me, Moses. First, it's this cry that I keep hearing, the cry of the Jewish people that has come unto me. And the second thing, he says, it's what I keep seeing twice, he says this in this passage here about the cry and what he's seen. And when God says things twice, it means it's really important. So he says here, I've seen the oppression of the Jewish people. And because he hears this continuously, because this is filling his sight, that becomes the basis for sending Moses In other words, God was telling Moses that if he wanted to be God's man and God was calling him to be God's man, God was calling Moses to be a man of God, and if he wanted to be a man of God, and if he wanted to be God's man, to be sent effectively to the Jewish people, then Moses had to feel the pain of the Jewish people. He had to. Moses, this is not gonna be a remote control affair for you. This is not gonna be you stay isolated and separated from them. This is gonna be I'm calling you to get deep involved into their pain to the point where you feel their pain like I feel their pain. You hear their cries like I hear their cries. You see their oppression, their despair like I see their despair and you feel it the despair of it all, the pain of it all, the cries of it all, you do that, and we can see God trying to encourage Moses to let his heart fall into the compassion and the pity, for the Jewish people, in other words, this was Moses' choice, and God knew that, so he was trying to encourage him, and you can see how God told Moses about the cry of the children of Israel. God starts off in verse nine with the word, behold. Behold, and with that word, God is saying to Moses, stop and take a special note of this or take a special consideration. Take a real close look here. Don't just breeze over this, but really stop now. And that's what the word behold means. It's like a stop sign to stop and consider. And so God says, behold, and right after God says, behold, he says, Moses, stop Consider, behold, I'm gonna tell you something that you never would have known unless I tell you that, and it's this, the cry of the children of Israel is come unto me. So God told Moses that the cry has entered into his space. It has come to him, and as a matter of fact, when you look at the verse, it says there, the cry of the children of Israel is present tense come unto me. So God did not say the cry of the children of Israel has come unto me or did come unto me as though it was some past information that he's working off of, something that he's familiar with. What he's saying here is that it's a continual cry. The cry is always coming to me. I'm always hearing it. Each new cry I'm hearing. He's saying that he hears and he continues to hear And as God was speaking this way to Moses, that he was hearing the cries of the children of Israel, God was saying, look, I'm always hearing the cries of my people in Egypt. And it's important how God explained that to Moses because he says, behold, the cry of the children of Israel has come unto me. In other words, God was telling Moses that he was allowing the cries to come to him he was allowing the cries to come you know there are other places in scripture where God says I won't hear their cries in Proverbs when it, it talks about those that had no time for God when desolation comes he says I won't hear and other times he says they he'll, he'll make the heavens like brass so but here he's not that way at all he's saying they, it's constantly coming to him and we think back of King Ahasuerus during the time of Esther, and we remember what it was was that the King Ahasuerus, he had to hold out the golden scepter. If anybody appeared in his court and he didn't hold out the golden scepter as if to say, I accept you, you could come in, that person was killed. But if he held out the golden scepter, which he did to Queen Esther, Then it was meant that he allows, he permits the entrance there. And so that's a picture of God as a king with the golden scepter. Nothing comes to God unless he holds out the golden scepter as a symbol of his permission, of his allowance. So God has held out the golden scepter, to the cries of Israel, to the prayers of the Jewish people. And therefore, he's saying to Moses, they have come unto me, the cries have come to me. So God was saying to Moses, Moses, I have allowed the cries of the lost Jewish people to come to me. Moses, will you allow the cries of the lost Jewish people to come to you? Moses, I've held out my golden scepter to the cries of the Jewish people. Now, Moses, the question is, will you hold out the golden scepter in your heart and let the cries of the lost Jewish people reach you? That's the first step. That's step one for Moses to become God-sent man. That's step one for Moses to become a man of God, for Moses to become God's man on the scene. That's the first step. Moses had to be like God. And Moses had to be like God in letting the cries of lost Jewish people come to him. And if we want to be God sent man, if we want to be God's man, God's man of God, to the lost Jewish people, or to any lost people for that matter, we have to be like God and let their cries come to us. If we say, okay, well, I say I've got an obligation here. I'm supposed to bring the gospel to the lost people. And if we just say, but I'm not about to let my heart become upset and disturbed and possessed with this terrible tragedy. I'm gonna keep my heart distant from that person or that situation. Evangelism, okay. Explain the gospel, okay. But get heart involved where I get all upset from hearing their cries, no. If we take that position, or if anyone takes that position, then we're not like God. It's not like God, because God let the cries of the lost reach him, come to him, as it says. If we take that position, then it's not only we're not like God, but the lost can see right through it. They can see directly through it. We become absolutely transparent, and they see it's mechanical. Oh, it's nothing more than duty. It's nothing more than something he has to do. It's nothing more than religion. It's nothing more than tradition. And if you take on this so-called sterile evangelical formula that we're following like a robot of one, two, three, repeat after me with no heart involvement, and so God says to Moses and to us, step one is to, if you want to help the lost, is be like me and let their cries come to you. Think, how do you let the cries of the lost come? And how should Moses, how do we do that? Well, first of all, we think of how desperate it is to be separated from the creator and the judge. That separation is spoken about in Isaiah 59. It's that separation. When we think of the separation, then we hear the cry for help, to not be separated from God. We think of how shocking It is to know that you've been appointed once to die and after that, the judgment. There's just one chance. After that to die, is appointed once to die and after that the judgment and then we hear the cry for help. We think of how frightening it is to look at the grave and the fear that comes of having been laid in the grave and the fear of waking up when the greatest hope was annihilation and disintegration, but the fear of waking up only to be falling into the hands of an angry God. And we hear the cry for help. We think of how terrifying it is to be dragged into hell by Satan. Scratching the way to not be dragged and digging in the heels, but to be helplessly dragged. And we think of how, how terrifying that is, to be dragged into hell by Satan, and we hear a cry for help. And we think of how horrifying it is to be tormented with pain and anguish with, a non, with no stop, eternity for hell. We think about that, that we hear the cry for help. Now, this is what God is saying to Moses. He's saying, look, Moses, if I have let the cry of the lost children of Israel to come to me, you need to let the cry of the lost come to you. Same like God's saying to us. If God has let the cry of the lost come to him, we need to let the cry of the lost come to us. Because the lost know when we care for their soul. And Do- David, David said something very, very important in Psalm 142 about knowing if a person really cared for his soul. And he says this in uh, Psalm 142, forward, where David says, I looked on my right hand and beheld, but there was no man that would know me. Refuge failed me. No man cared for my soul see what David was saying there David was saying he looked he looked and he said no person would know him boy doesn't that remind us back in the I remember back in the 60s and 70s when there was just an outcry in the city of New York because crimes were being committed and where there was a high density of people living in the area and there were screams and cries and people would open the window and then they quickly shut it and it was always the same thing they didn't want to get involved. That was the big phrase. No, I don't want to get involved because if you get involved, then it becomes a trouble for you. So you just shut the, the window and let the crimes go on. And they'd rather just see a crime and walk away and pretend as though they didn't see it because they don't want to get involved. And so David says, he, he, that's what he was saying in Psalm 142:4 when he says, I looked, I looked and there was no man that would know me. Nobody took any time to know him. And he said, no man cared for my soul. So God says, look, step number one, Moses, step number one for us, know the lost, know them, and know them in their desperation, and know them in their loneliness, and know them in their terror, and know them in their horror, and know them in their fright, and know them in their fears. Know them, know them, God says. And then he says, care for their soul care for what happens to them, care for their eternity. And so God is calling for us to know the lost. God is calling for us to care for the souls of the lost. And he says, and that's what it means to be sent by God. And that's why God went through all of this description to Moses, to as a preparation for Moses, to say, Moses, this is delivering the lost 101. First, hear their cries and see the state that they're in. Know them and care for their souls. And no one, no one can be God's man, no one can be God's sent man. No one can be the man of God to deliver the lost unless he has God's broken heart for the lost. Because that's really what God is talking here. He is broken as a broken heart for the lost. Now, after God has told Moses this to really to lead Moses into what he had to do, but also showing that he has this motivation. He has his motivation to see the children of Israel get delivered from the Egyptians. Then in verse 7, and then God has told Moses that he has come down to deliver them. And then God tells Moses that he's going to use Moses to deliver them. And so in Exodus 3.10, this is where we go, Come now, therefore, and I will send thee. Unto Pharaoh, that thou mayest bring forth my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. So here again, we see how God reveals to man this truth so that he will use it to deliver the lost. God has saved believers. And if any person has come to the Lord Jesus Christ, cried out to him, and asked for God's mercy covenant, mercy covenant, of receiving the Lamb of God, the Lord Jesus Christ, as a sacrifice for his sins, be saved, become a child of God, live forever, then God has filled the believer with the knowledge of himself, and God then makes the believer responsible to bring the gospel to others who are lost. And that call that Moses had from God to deliver the lost Jewish people is true of God. The people of Israel as well. It makes me what I mean. When God gave His oracles to the Jewish people, He then made them responsible to carry them to the rest of the world. You know, this is brought out in Deuteronomy 32.8 when God's when Moses described how God made decisions about boundaries of countries, of the Gentiles, of the goyim, of the nations, the boundaries. And it says here in Deuteronomy 32.8, Moses explains, when the Most High divided to the nations their inheritance, that means their land, when he separated the sons of Adam, he set the bounds of the people according to the number of of the children of Israel. This means that when God made the decision as to this boundary should be here and it should go to this river, it should go to these mountains, and he made these decisions as to where the boundaries of the nation should be, he did it with an eye on the number of the children of Israel.
0: Another wonderful day studying the Bible with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor, here on Friendship with God.